Do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Do you mean reintroduce myself? I'm、yes. Shay, a solutions architect, not a data scientist. And oh, right, that's right. I'm also your spouse. I guess that is an important piece of information to disclose. And Shay, you were here with us previously in episode 21, talking about soccer. As our listeners know, Shay and I recently made the move from the East Coast, California, for my job change. So, how do you like it so far? Well, can't say I'm sorry to miss shoveling snow,、uh, or perhaps that polar vortex that's just to be around the corner. After we moved here, one of the things that had been on our list of things to do coming to California is crabbing. And this, as it turns out, is not quite as casual a recreational activity as we envisioned. It's more of a crab shoot. I see what you did there. Now, what does this have anything to do with statistics or data science? You ask. What does crabbing have anything to do with our podcast here? Well, it turns out loss of wildlife, including shellfish, along the Pacific coast, are being threatened by a neurotoxin called domoic acid. This is a toxin that can make crabs poisonous for human consumption, and therefore its prevalence in crabs is closely monitored. High domoic acid concentrations in crabs can result in delayed crabbing seasons. And for good reason too. The symptoms of domoic acid poisoning for humans can range from diarrhea and vomiting、uh, to more severe cases of amnesia and death. So we're here to talk about just how statistics is being applied to make these determinations. Are the crabs at a certain location safe, or are they off limits? And how reliable is this kind of testing? We'll talk about how hypothesis testing is used here. And spoiler alert: forget means. The hypothesis tests here are using maximums or maxima. So how will that work? Stay tuned to find out. Taking a step back, let's talk about where domoic acid comes from. Sure. So first of all, domoic acid comes from algae blooms near the bottom of the coastal food chain. Shellfish and fish are the first to be affected. But they don't exhibit too much of any symptoms, so health-wise, they're okay. However, when you go higher up in the food chain, the animals that consume these fish and shellfish that are contaminated can get very sick. So, in 2006, there was a brown pelican that flew into a car on the Pacific Coast Highway, and that pelican was suspected to have been poisoned by domoic acid. Just earlier this year, in June, a couple months ago. A teenager was injured by an aggressive sea lion in Central California, and that sea lion too was also suspected to have been poisoned by domoic acid. In fact, Alfred Hitchcock had a movie called *The Birds*, in which millions of birds invade a small town, and Hitchcock said that he took some inspiration from a 1961 event in Santa Cruz, where a ton of birds suspected to be under the influence of domoic acid flew en masse into buildings in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. And here's a quote here from a local newspaper, the Santa Cruz Sentinel. You want to read it? Sure. Dead and stunned seabirds litter the streets and roads in the foggy early dawn. Started by the invasion, residents rushed out on their lawns with flashlights, then rushed back inside as the birds flew toward their light. Television aerial supports were severed, and one power line was shorted out about 4 a.m. on Merrill Avenue when the birds hitting the line slapped them together. And the effects of human consumption of domoic acid is just as bad. A lot of things in California are labeled as harmful to health, 
But with domoic acid, you can also have things like permanent short-term memory loss, seizures. You can also be in a vegetative state. And of course, you can die. And this isn't one of those toxins you can just cook off, as the neurotoxin is very heat-resistant. That sounds pretty serious, which is why the California Department of Public Health needs to keep a close eye on domoic acid levels. Recently, the commercial crabbing season has been severely compromised by high demoic acid levels. Commercial crabbing is when professional fishermen cast wide nets to catch crabs in bulk so they can sell to the public through stores. Recreational crabbing, on the other hand, is for amateurs like us, trying our luck to catch a couple of crabs. In Oregon this year, the start of the recreational Dungeons crabbing season was delayed until the very last day of January. Um, and it lasted just two weeks before high levels of demoic acid put a stop to things until late March. Compared to California this year, the recreational Dungeons crabbing season started as usual on the first Saturday of November, but with one caveat. The sometimes prized part of the crab, uh, which is called the viscera or crab butter, was not to be eaten if the crab is caught in certain locations. Personally, I love the viscera. It's the hepatic pancreas of the crab, which has a very nice umami flavor. But this is also where the domoic acid, unfortunately, tends to concentrate above safe levels. When things are really bad, you can't even have the entire crab. Thankfully, we're not at that point yet. Right, and there's a hotline that you can call into. It's run by the California Department of Public Health. They will tell you which locations are affected, and as of November 29th, that is just the coastline running from Shelter Cove, Humboldt County, 40 degrees, 1 minute north latitude, to Point Arena, 38 degrees, 57.5 minute uh, north latitude. At the start of the season, a second stretch of coastline off-limits ran from Point Reyes to Pillar Point near Half Moon Bay. By the way, that is the closest location to us, so we're very thankful that that got taken off the list, but we'll talk about that later in this episode. Now, clearly, the Department of Public Health poured over data to arrive at these determinations, and thankfully, these data are readily available. You can find them in PDF tables that go back years and years documenting data samples that were collected. We'll share this link in our show notes on our website. The most recent PDF records um, show that crabs were sampled between July 1st of this year and November 20th. That's interesting because the last time that I checked, which was maybe like November 25th, I think it only went up to November 1st. They must have updated the PDF. Yep. The PDF is actually pretty interesting to look at. There are 11 different ports, which presumably uh, Dungeons crabs are frequently caught at these ports. And the data are recorded in sample sets of six along these ports. Our local one is labeled Half Moon Bay, San Francisco, which for the record did have warnings against consuming crab viscera up until uh, very recently. But interestingly enough, it's not like there's one location within each port, or they call it a port, but it's really a region. It's not like there's one location where they obtain these samples. And it's not like these samples are spread out uniformly across the coastline in each region either. So for example, at our local Half Moon Bay San Francisco port region, the initial samples were collected on September 27th. These were at locations named Pillar Point and Pigeon Point, whereas all subsequent samples, of which there are five between mid-October and mid-November, are all at Duxbury. 
Just to paint a picture, more than 75 miles separate Duxbury and Pigeon Point. We're talking about a place that is north of San Francisco on one side and a different place that is way south of the city. Even in minimal traffic, it can take more than two hours to get from Duxbury to Pigeon Point. Yet these samples are all lumped together under this Half Moon Bay, San Francisco region as though they were equally representative of the entire 75-mile stretch of coastline. And on the PDF file, each sample yields six numbers that are demoic acid concentrations in parts per million found in the viscera of the crab. According to the FDA, 30 parts per million is the limit. Uh, If you go above that, we are in the danger zone. Okay, so six crabs are sampled, say, in Duxbury on a particular date. Where do these crabs come from in the first place? According to an article on SF Chronicle, uh, these crabs are sent in by volunteer crabbers to the State Health Department lab in Richmond, California. So this is interesting and surprising to me for a couple of reasons. First of all, volunteers means convenience samples. Right. Although, as we personally experience, crabbing successfully is not that convenient. (laughs) It takes a lot of skill. It's not like you can just throw down a cage and expect to get five crabs in one go. From our observation, you have to reel them in with a fishing rod, usually one at a time. And the daily limit per person is 10. We've seen people spend hours and hours without catching more than two. Or how about more than zero? Well, let's not turn this into our personal pity party. But yes, this is my first thought, that each sample of six does not constitute a random sample. These are crabs that were caught, presumably by people who have caught enough that they are willing to spare them for testing by sending them to the lab. And it does seem that there are some days that are exceptionally good for crabbing, where a ton of people around us on the pier, not us, are pulling in crabs left and right. I have no idea whether demoic acid might be higher or lower on days like this, when I think you'd have more volunteers. Sorry, this is me bordering on severe, irrational skepticism, but volunteer samples always make me uneasy. Okay, so uh, that's your first concern. What's your second worry? Well, the samples always come in sets of six crabs. Why six? What is magical about the number six? How does this even work with a volunteer sampling scheme? Do they simply stash the crabs in the freezer until they hit six volunteers from a particular location? And if so, is that okay from the perspective of consistency of measurement? Do crabbers and volunteers always send in sets of six? This is actually really unclear. Or if they um, all of a sudden receive 10 crabs, do the experimenters run their tests on six of the crabs and eat the remaining four? Actually, I believe the tests are run on the viscera only, which means, you know, they might as well just eat the rest of the crab anyway, like for all 10. Maybe we should do uh, some volunteering to do the testing ourselves. Yeah, if only there was a way to do that. (laughs) I think you have to be a professional, though, unfortunately. So all kidding aside, the testing is actually done very professionally. It involves steaming the frozen crabs for a prescribed uh, amount of time, scooping out the viscera, blending it up, popping it into a centrifuge, and then measuring out the concentration of demoic acid. So they do the reading, and now they do the six times, so they can have six numbers from the six crabs. And they look, do any of the numbers exceed 30 parts per million? 
If so, we have to put out a warning on the crabs in this whole region until two new samples collected in the affected region at least one week and two weeks later show no domoic acid concentrations above 30 parts per million. That means it takes at least two weeks to lift a domoic acid warning, and it can happen only if none of the 12 crabs caught in those two weeks are below the threshold. That's as much detail as we have on the process. Uh, so let's now dive into the data. Okay, so let's look at the Half Moon Bay San Francisco data. There were two samples taken, as we mentioned, in late September. That's 12 Dungeness crabs. All but one of the crabs registered trace amounts of domoic acid. Trace just means less than 2.5 parts per million, which is the minimal detectable quantity. And the lone crab that had more than a trace amount registered at 2.6 parts per million. That's just right above 2.5 and well below the 30 parts per million for the threshold. So do we do worse in the subsequent samples? Yes. So recall we said there were five more samples taken in this region of Half Moon Bay, San Francisco. Um, They were all taken at Duxbury between October 15th and November 18th. On October 15th, four out of the six crabs only had trace amounts. One registered a 4.9, so that's definitely higher than 2.5. And the last one had 39 parts per million of domoic acid. Okay, so that's the crab that did us in at the start of the season. Yes. So we then get retested at Duxbury around two weeks later on October 28th. This time, all six crabs pass, with five of them having no more than three parts per million and one crab hitting 17. 17 isn't 30, but it's still a little concerning. Nevertheless, based on the public health department's rules, we pass. We pass. But we need two consecutive passes, remember, in order to get off the no viscera list. So another week passes, and on November 5th, retest at Duxbury. This time, five out of six crabs register trace amounts, and one crab registers a 36 parts per million. Wow. (laughs) Bummer that crabs fill the test yet again. But the methodology feels a little shaky. We almost passed. I would have expected the crabs in a sample would have relatively similar domoic acid contents since they were caught around the same place at around the same time. But here we had five that exhibited no detectable amounts of domoic acid and one that was way off the charts. Right. This really calls into question the validity of sticking to a sample of size six. If the individuals in the sample could be so heterogeneous and we wanted to be extra conservative, six seems just not enough. In fact, if we look at the entire data table, we find that when a test is failed, it often does so because just one out of the six crabs being tested is over the threshold. This is a hypothesis test that uses the maximum as a test statistic rather than the mean. This is risky. Oh, please educate me. How is that uh, risky? Well, the behavior of means in samples are pretty well understood. We basically throw the normal distribution at it and can calculate all sorts of probabilities to justify our decisions. The maximum, however, is a lot more erratic. You're effectively basing your decision on just an outlier, and not just any outlier, really the most outlier-ish data point out of six data points. So interestingly, The sample means are actually computed for each sample of six crabs and displayed in the PDF file, but they're just not used in decision making. That's right. When we look at the data, we can see that not all of the failures were equal. 
In Half Moon Bay, San Francisco, these two failures that we talked about occurred when there was just one bad crab, with the rest having all very low quantities of domoic acid. The means there are 7.3 parts per million and 6 parts per million. In contrast, at Bodega Bay, a different region, there was one failed test that occurred but with five crabs having very sizable domoic acid concentrations. That test had a sample mean of 24 parts per million. Nonetheless, Bodega Bay passed four times in a row after that particular failure. And maybe because of that, Bodega Bay has not been tested since mid-October. And that's before the start of the recreational Dungeness crabbing season. I don't know if I'll be comfortable trusting those results. Uh, October 19th was quite a bit of time ago, and things could have changed. If two weeks is enough time for scientists to expect for things to clear up, it could be enough time for things to get worse as well, unless there's a scientific reason for domoic acid declining as the weather grows colder or something. Well, we've definitely seen a few places that were passing and then failed in a recent time, so I don't think that argument would hold up. But you're right. October 19th, the last Bodega Bay test was just way too long ago. And if you don't retest, you obviously can't fail. In Half Moon Bay, San Francisco, the two failures occurred in two non-consecutive weeks, so the tests continue. But when you look at the sample means in the recent tests, Half Moon Bay looks much better than the last tests that were done at Bodega Bay. I would argue that Bodega Bay needs to be tested more frequently than Half Moon Bay, Even in Bodega Bay's most recent past tests, the concentrations were at 12 parts per million and 5.8 parts per million. Compare that to Half Moon Bay's most recent tests with concentrations at 0.8 and 2.6. So after all this, Susan, are you feeling like you would be comfortable consuming viscera from crab caught in Half Moon Bay? I mean, it's been given the all clear sign now. Uh, I think we'd have to catch them first, Shay. Yeah, and that seems to be the hard part, um, which is unfortunate because it's supposed to be a traditional meal here in the Bay Area for Thanksgiving. And we've just missed the opportunity for that. Us, along with a lot of Californian families. In all seriousness, this method of hypothesis testing makes me super uncomfortable. They're running these tests that depend on maxima of tiny sample sets. It's like saying let's use an outlier to decide whether we pass or fail the test. Imagine if we measured other things in this way, like maybe instead of assigning a semester grade based on an average of multiple assessments, let's just use your most extreme worst performance for your semester grade. And just because more samples are accumulating over time doesn't make me any more comfortable when those samples are located in non-randomly selected places at non-regular time intervals. So for my final decision, I'm thinking no. Eating viscera of any crab caught anywhere along the coast here is probably not a good idea, at least not until I feel a more thorough test has been established. 